0: welcome to crosstown and i wanted to remind you that this week we're beginning our seven days of prayer which is an absolutely awesome time now i i want to tell you i'm not a prayer dude i'm not a guy who likes to pray i'm just saying it right up front i know that makes me sound unchristian and definitely not qualified to be the pastor of a church i just don't like uh i just don't like praying my mind moves too much from all that but i have learned the incredible benefit of quieting yourself, kind of looking at the the world around you and presenting it to God in having conversation with Him. It's very beneficial. We are seeing miracles happening here at Crosstown. If we weren't, I would not tell you we were seeing miracles. But we have seen people's lives being transformed, situations that were absolutely impossible being affected by God. And so let me encourage you. I know you're thinking, well, it makes me sound weak that I'm gonna ask for prayer, ask for prayer. Or you may be also thinking, my problem's not as bad as the other person's problem. There are people that are really dealing with difficult things and, and, you know, uh, that what I'm dealing with isn't really all that bad. Let me encourage you. God wants you to share your heart with Him. And God invites you to share your heart with Him. And He wants to move on your behalf. We invite you to join us here or online. Just go online and you can follow everything that we're doing. And, you know, maybe bring the kids as they're getting ready for school, have us on in the background as we'll be praying over all the prayer requests. Don't be afraid if you decide not to put your name on it. That's okay. God knows who you are. We're not going through looking at the scenario and seeing husband and wife having trouble uh, and then with our two teenage kids and then we're trying to figure out, oh, that's Debbie and and Brady uh, uh, and then our pet llama. Oh, that's definitely Brady, you know. We're not trying to figure out who it is. We're just praying for you. So we encourage you to be a part of that. So today we're gonna, today's gonna be really good. I'm telling you, it is, and it's going to kind of mess with your brain a little bit. But it's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about blessings and how they flow into your life. And we're going to continue to learn this principle of, about God is designed a pathway to blessing. That it's not just bibbidi bobbity, boo of Disney World. It's not just dust that falls on you and some of us get lucky and some of us don't get lucky. But rather that there is a design on how blessings flow into a person's life. And we learned a specific truth over the last couple of weeks that really extends this design work of blessings. We learned out of Proverbs 11, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. There's some principle here about that blessings come back to people who water other people's lives, people who give into other people's lives, whether that giving be financially, whether it be serving other people, caring, listening, having conversations, doing ministry at church, whatever it may be, there is this principle that if we water others, that the blessing of watering comes back to us. It's no surprise that Jesus said that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. A lot of us are waiting on heaven to bless us when God has already, through Jesus Christ, put the Holy Spirit in us to be a stream of blessings to people around us so that we in turn can get blessed. So a lot of us are shouting up to heaven waiting for God to do something when God, already in the death and resurrection of Christ, has already put the piping in. He's already run the fire main, he's already run all the, the plumbing to our house. It's now a matter of us turning it on by being involved in what God is doing in other people's lives. So today we're gonna to extend this design to parenting. Now before you leave, um, this is not going to just apply to, to parents. This is, the more I looked at it, this is, is gonna apply if your life is in chaos. It's going to apply if you are in any kind of discipling, mentoring, teaching, or helping people recover. So don't just kind of turn it off if you're a young couple and you don't have kids or you're an older couple and you've already raised your kids and it's like, oh, he's talking about parenting. This has got nothing to do with me. No, I mean, this has something to do with anybody of influence in another person's life. We have a great couple in our church, as an example. Simon and Elizabeth Kilminster. If you, if you don't know them, you, you are missing one of the best parts of our church. Though they don't have, a, uh, have children of their body, they have so many children of their soul. So many children of their soul. They are always involved in helping people recovering from alcoholism. I mean, they spend late nights up rescuing people who are about to kill themselves, meeting with spouses who are, uh, are trying to deal with somebody who is struggling with alcohol, bailing people out of jail, countless hours of doing this kind of parenting work in the lives of other people, other adults saving their lives. And to say that they're not parents, would be to imply that God, who is my Heavenly Father, is not really my Father because He didn't supply any DNA into my construction. But yet I very much feel the fathering influence of God through the world around me. So I wanna let you know that it's not just about people who have offspring of their body, but rather it's the offspring of life. It's this idea of being an influencer into directing and helping another person so since this is going to be it's, it's going to be kind of technical philosophical ideological and biblical all at the same time i mean are going to be you're going to have some aha moments in this um so in kind of to kind of keep you all in it i've devised a little thing and it's it's a little bit of fun i am going to use british Eng, uh, a british slang throughout my whole sermon okay and you say well why are you going to use british slang?" because i know as soon as i said parenting that some of you would check out on this So I have in my pocket gift certificates to Starbucks that if you can count how many British slang words I use throughout the sermon, uh, you can come up afterwards, let me know how many you counted and I will give you the gift certificate. So if you're like a dude and you know what I mean by a dude, right? Uh, Dudes like, that. you dragged me here, I don't wanna be here. Uh, I hope this is interesting today. Well, listen to all the slang words and if, so starting now, If you hear a British slang word, just keep a a note of it and uh, Bob's your uncle, you'll get yourself a gift certificate when when it's all over with, okay? So, as parents, we have the ability to bring blessings to our children. And I'm not referring to a PS5 or free college or a new car or even the iPhone 12. What I'm talking about today is something far more systemic. And, I, and again, if, you, if you're dealing with confusion in your mind or anything like that, that this will really apply to you as well, as, as I've applied it even into my own mind. Um, you're going to find that this is going to help in your child's situation. So let me start with a real-world illustration. Last week, a couple of you came up to me immediately after the service to let me know that there was a problem in the parking lot. I don't know, I, how many of you noticed that there was a problem in the parking lot when you, when you tried to get out, okay? Uh, the problem was is that people, since there's a couple other churches operating here behind us, the problem was that people were doubled and triple parked. And um, some people were beginning to throw a wobbly. They were upset, they were just, just I mean, they were getting angry about it. And so uh, the problem was is there's no lines in the parking lot. If you've gone out there and if you've noticed it, you really can't even see where to park. There is this lack of structure in the parking lot. And because it wasn't that we didn't have surface, it's that we just lacked the structure within the surface to keep a mess from happening. So this week, Brian and Toby jumped on it immediately. I mean, we, they uh, got out there and they, they started painting lines. It really stinks to be the youth pastor of a church. I mean, this is where you end up going is you end up doing jobs like this. No, they actually love doing stuff. But one of the things that we discovered that they had to lay out a pattern for this this structure, for the parking lot or they had to rediscover a pattern that was already there. Now, just put that in your mind. They had to clear off the sands and the dirt and rediscover a pattern that had already been put there and in order to restore some sort of sense of order and peace to the parking lot. It seems like a small thing to put lines in a parking lot, but without it, it, it really causes a kerfuffle. It really does. I mean, it just... It, has all kinds, of, wow, there are more people paying attention to me today. I mean, you guys are actually taking notes. I'm seeing all of a sudden, I'll say one of those words, all of a sudden, I'm checked it off. Well, hey, I know you at first, you thought I was an idiot for that, but it was like, it really works. You're paying attention. But here's the thing that I kind of saw from this illustration. It didn't matter the quality of the car. It didn't matter if you drove in in a Mazda 5 or a Lexus or whatever it was. You experienced the exact same confusion, okay? Because we're going to find out that really matters. It doesn't matter how smart your child is. It doesn't matter how gifted your child is. It doesn't matter how smart or gifted you are. It didn't matter the age of the car. This wasn't just a problem for new cars or for old cars. It didn't matter the size of the car. Uh, or the intelligence of the person driving the car. The lack of structure in the, in the parking lot created a chaos that all of us felt. That, that immediately you were hunting for parking spaces. Some people got it right and some people got it wrong. You see, in America right now, we are obsessed with our right to move up about the parking lot. See, America is all about rights now. We're fighting for rights on everything. And so what we want is the right, we want an America where you can go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go there, or not go anywhere at all. And we want a parking lot where you can park it anywhere you want. We want America without structure. We want an America that, that doesn't tell us what we need to do. And this conversation in America has led to the erosion of spiritual psychological, biological, and sociological structures. I mean, we, we, I mean, right down to the point where we don't even, we're afraid to say the word gender anymore. I heard one famous psychologist say, if gender is, a, is only a social construct, then why are we treating it with hormones? Why are we providing a biological solution to the gender issue if it is only something that we made up in our minds? See, the problem is is we're losing constructs that were structures that were given to us through science, through biology, through God, part of our psychology, and we're in a culture right now that's just ripping them down as fast as they can be ripped down. We actually live in a time when tearing down a structure or finding one is a virtue. But beyond the ideology of America, there's that daily living that we go through with all of its demands, its interruptions, its soccer practices, its schools, mask, not mask, vaccinate, not vaccinate, you know, getting to work at a certain time, working from home, working at the office, where we've kind of lost this template of routine this structure of life so why do we need structure and why would that be a gift a blessing to children and how could this structure actually bless us back well it provides four things and and these were just four things that came to my mind there may be more and i won't go into them heavily but i think they're they're kind of words that have intrinsic value, you'll know exactly what they mean. It provides these four things, continuity, connectivity, certainty, and coherency. Now, just stare at those for a second. And none of those are British slang words. Just stare at those for a second. Just think about the real gift of continuity. When your life has continuity to it. Or just think about the anxiety of a child. When a child doesn't know if there's continuity to the family, if mom and dad are gonna break up, you know, or there isn't continuity to society because they, they look at riots and all, all the stuff that they see on the news. Think about the gift of connectivity, the ability to connect that you can give to your children through structure. Here's how you talk to people. Here's how you interact. This is how you make eye contact. I remember with Deanna, we used to go into a a restaurant like Subway. We were big spenders. We would take the kids to Subway, but I would always make the children order for themselves. and I would tell them, listen, when you go in there, you're just going to kind of like talk to the individual that's there. And I want you to make eye contact. And I want you to tell them about whether you want cheese or tomatoes. And, and you say, well, why did you do that? And it's like, well, I wanted them to understand the structure of interaction, the, the, to develop the ability to have con- um, connectivity, It's kind of like when you come in here and you're looking for the website you're looking for you know the the portal to get onto the web and and so you have to create a a software that interacts with our modem and and that interface works and there's there's uh coding that goes on that makes that connectivity happen and when you provide some sort of godly structure to a person's life you provide continuity i see how this how life is going to go you provide connectivity the ability to connect with, with other people, you provide certainty. What a beautiful, what a beautiful structure, the structure of certainty. The last thing you want to have your child think is, mom, are we going to be okay? You know, dad, you know, uh, what's gonna happen to me? You know, and, and when you provide the gift of structure to a child's life, you provide a sense of certainty that there's, there's a real blessing in routine. You know, there's a real, there's a real gift when, when your kids can wake up in the morning and they don't have to think about how the sun is going to go down or whether or not the sun is going to rise. But they can see, and God built it into the seasons. We have this ability to... It happened this morning. I woke up this morning. Did anybody else know it was a little darker this morning? I mean, I don't know. I woke up and, and I got out and I went out and literally went out to see if there was clouds in the sky and it was a clear sky. And I'm like, Dang home, it's getting dark again. You know, and you say, well, you idiot, you know, it's, uh, it happens every year. But it's, the great thing is, is that it does happen every year and it's predictable and there's a certainty to it and there's actually things that I can plan around it. And then there's a coherency when you provide structure. There's a coherency. It's like, it's like hooking up a boat on the back of a trailer. It's like you go through this. There's a coherent structure to it. You park your, your, your boat trailer down there. You bring the boat up. Then you hook the hook to the front of the little thing. And then pop or somebody gets out there. And, clack, 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 and they pull it up. Then you, so like you, so you wave to the guy up in front. and, and she, Or she pulls it out. And you do that and all this. And it's like what? There's a coherency to the, old, the unloading and the loading of, of the boat. And you say, well, that's not really a big deal. It's like, no, you should be around the Limehouse uh, uh, boat landing in the summer. You'll see so many people just drowning their boats or their SUVs in the water because there isn't a coherency to the system of loading and and, uh, launching a boat. But what a blessing to give your kids. God gave it to us. I don't care how we created the universe or how he even created the earth, the mechanics that were involved. But all I do know is that when I see in the Genesis story, intentional structure, separated this from that, he put this with that, you know, created this to work with that way. And all of this continuity, this structure that was, and, and what that communicates to me is, oh, this has meaning, this has purpose. Wouldn't you like to give that to your kids? You say, well, you just like to go with the flow. Well, you know, there is some times when you go with the flow, but there are some times when your kids are desperately in need or even your own mind needs routine and it needs continuity. When I look at the human body, I look at its interactive, mind-blowing, almost blinding benefits of structure. And all you have to do is have one ruptured disc to know what it's like to have that structure interrupted. To have the, the pain that comes when the structure and the orientation of your, your, your physiology is put out of order. And, and most of us are living every single day with the delight of knowing that the body is rightly related to itself. You find it in scripture, you discover that I'm, how I can connect with God through Christ and then how I can be rightly connected with other people. And then people who experience that structure of, you know, salvation and grace and mercy and resurrection and Holy Spirit, well, they, they seem to relate to other people real well with forgiveness and mercy. And then those people seem to experience blessings and friendships and love. And, and you say, wow, how did that all happen? Is this kingdom of heaven magical it's like no it's structural it's real it's tangible it's coherent um it's predictable and it's absolutely amazing how god has done that so yes godly structure is a blessing that we can give to our children so today i'm going to move us in and out of parking spaces And I'm going to use scriptures like parking spaces. So we're going to pull into one, then we're going to back out, and we're going to go and we're going to pull in another one. And we're going to pull the principles, the structure, out of each of these as they pertain to uh, parenting. But again, I would apply these, if you're somebody that wrestles with anxiety or fear or doubt or anything, I would apply all these principles to your own personal life. First one is this. Proverbs 22:6. train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's really interesting that when the parking lot is paved real well, that, you know, it's not like if a tree falls in the wood and no one's, no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a noise, okay, which is absolutely ridiculous. That would mean that all sense of reality is based upon the observance of humans, but thank God that there was a structure of the universe, whether humans are there to hear the tree fall or not. Okay, um, the point is, is that that parking lot will exist when there's no cars in it. Whether anybody wants to park in it or not, that structure will be in that space out there. And what we're learning here, training up a child in the way that they should go, and even when he's old he will not depart from it, doesn't mean that all your kids are going to get saved just because you raised them in a Christian home. It means whether they want to park in it or not, their, lot, their parking lot has been striped. It means that the principles have been put there. Now, God will not force anybody to park in the spot that they don't want to park in. But just know this, that you will have provided the framework for them to discover grace and mercy and truth, continuity of God, the plan of God in their lives. Man, what a cool principle. But you need to remember that to your children, the structure of your life is greater than the philosophy of your religion. And I know that... You know, as Christians, we're like, well, you got to teach your kids the Bible, and I'm all for that. But just know this is that the structure of your life as a parent, as a mentor, as a school teacher, whatever you are, as a boss, whatever, or as an individual, just your structure will teach more to those who are following you than whatever philosophy you live by. I mean, you can philosophize about all kinds of things, but when they see mom and dad with structure in their lives and adhering to that structure, that when it's time, just like Brian and Toby, in the video you saw that they had to sweep and blow all the dirt off, they had to rediscover it. There may be a time when your kids, when they let's say when they turn 30, or maybe even 40, When your kids will all of a sudden discover the need for structure in their lives, some sort of orientation, some sort of uh, plan, consistency, all those, those four words, they'll want that. And so what they're going to do is they're going to start looking for one. And what you want is to have one that can be discovered. And as the guys were out there, they were sweeping, they were blowing off the dirt to rediscover the structure so that people, so that they could begin to paint the lines. And what we're being told in Proverbs is it's our job to paint those lines in the lives of our children, to communicate principles, godly principles into their lives. Will they do it right away? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But the bottom line is that when it's time for them to look for those lines, you want them to be able to find them. So you've got to live live it to give it. You've got to make sure it's God, and you've got to train them in it, not try them in it. You got to live it to give it. They got to see the structure. There's nothing worse than a dad who makes his wife—and I hate even using that phrase—and that's why we're, so many are tearing down uh, structures. Who makes his wife take the children to uh, to church, but yet he stays at home? That structure applies for you, but it doesn't apply for a man because I like to hunt and blow stuff up. You know, that's what women and children do. They go to church. But then they don't want their little girls sleeping around with guys and they don't want their sons becoming drunks, you know, Uh, and they want their wives to submit to them, you know, because I'll quote one, the only verse in the Bible that they know. So you know this, if you're going to communicate a biblical worldview, you got to, you got to live it to give it. So maybe you got to find out whether or not you're living your life like a parking lot without lines because how can you possibly expect your kids to follow it if you don't have some sort of structure? Make sure it's God's, you know, make sure it's one that's proven to work and then, then train, don't try. Or in the words of the great master, do or do not. There is no try, Okay. Yes, and I'll give you an extra point if you can quote the name of the master who said that. See, we need to train our children in compassion, in truth, in faithfulness. And I know a lot of you are like, okay, we have to provide structure. You know, Uh, that was my Richard Nixon impersonation. (laughs) You know, it's like we got to provide structure. Well, a lot of you thought, okay, you thought that. No, structuring compassion. Are you providing a parking lot on what look, are you providing a parking space on what, what does compassion look like? What does truthfulness look like? What does faithfulness look like? You know, dads, if you're here and, and you wanna raise a kid that is faithful to his family, well, you need to show that young man what a faithful man looks like. Because if you're staring at TV all the time and looking at porn, and here's a, a fact you don't wanna know about, Do you know that there are three porn sites right now in the world that stream more stuff and are getting more viewership than Instagram and Netflix combined? You think, well, who's bigger than Netflix? Who's better than Instagram? Porn. So if you think that you can be streaming that into your house and watching it on TV while your little girl and little boy are running around and then turn around and expect them to grow up virtuous, Good luck with that because it doesn't work. You got to train in virtue. You got to train in compassion. You got to train that there's no greater gift that a mom or a dad or I would And I'm just going to focus on dads here because I just think dads are so cool and, and I happen to be one. So um, it's just there's no greater thing that a dad can do than to show their kids how much he loves their mom. It is the ultimate thing. Is that why do we got little boys growing up and they're becoming misogynist little runts? Where'd they get that idea from? Dad. They got it from dad. Yeah, women are just objects for your own pleasure. So, you can see this is, this is a big deal. 2 Timothy 5 1, listen to what Paul said to Timothy. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Now, why was he sure that it dwelled in him? Because they were parking lot pavers, they were people who painted parking lots. I know it was in your grandmother, and I know it was in your mother. And so he does this kind of like associative principle for mathematics. It's like if A equals B and B equals C, then I know that C has this in it. Now I just got stirred up. There's way too many kids that are coming to church, youth that are coming to church, that when you talk to them about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they have no idea. They're wondering if they're part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Who are they? It's like what happened. Is it their fault? Do we raise our millennials bad people? Are Gen Zers bad people? Or are, are these like bad kids? We got bad DNAs? No. The generation ahead of them forgot to, to line the parking lot. To, to give biblical principles training and compassion and truth and love and generosity. Faithfulness. We're right back to that baby boomer guy again. I love, I'm serious. I don't put the blame anywhere else but my own generation. Next, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. See, this one is, this little parking space is loaded with all kinds of truth. First, right off the bat, it warns of a temperament that instruction should not flow from. Fathers in Colossians 321 says, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So I love it. Paul's not saying tear down the patriarchy, tear down men, tear down the masculine, tear down. I mean, there is a movement to tear down masculinity. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what you do. But let me talk to the masculine for a second. He says, you guys not knock off this macho crap with your kids. Now, if you're, he's like, before you say anything to them, I want you not to be, I don't want you to be like this. I don't want you to exacerbate or provoke your children to anger. anger. Parenting is not about bullying or proving who's in charge. But parenting is about exemplifying and implementing a culture of Christ-likeness. Peter said it in 1 Peter 5, 3, he said, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples in the flock. That's what he's saying to grandpas and to fathers and brothers and mothers. He's like, listen, don't give up structure. Don't tear down structure. It's like, no, no, that's not the right thing, is that we need to find out how we're using this structure because the structure is necessary. But we need to make sure that it's being used the right way. You know, I grew up in the 1960s. I was born in the 1950s. It seems such a long time ago. Back, I mean, 1950s, we still thought the moon was made out of cheese. So, I mean, we really have come a a long way. But since the 1950s, 1960s, we've been living in a culture that is against uh, um, hierarchical structures and has become ancient anti patriarchal Why? Why is this happening? Why is there a rise of hyperfeminism and all that and and crazy stuff going on in the world and whether right or left wing? It's simple, is that over the last 50 years we have watched the subtle abuse of power. Okay, we have, we've all seen that whether it is the majority or the minority or the 1% or the I mean, whatever i mean you you can kind of categorize it but here's what i want to let you know it's it's not the structure it's who's using the structure that that is messed it up it's not men it's rogue masculinity it's not women it's rogue femininity you know it's 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 not democracy. It's just rogue democracy. It's not even capitalism. It's just selfish capitalism, self-centered capitalism. And what we're trying to do is villainize systems. And it's like Paul saying, "No, I need to, not to do away with fathers, not to do away with gender. It's like I just I need that father to be operating from a different mindset. I need that dad to act like Christ with his." Power and authority. I need him to die for his wife um, instead of bullying his wife. See, all, the design is beautiful, but our usage over the last 50, 50 years is kind of crazy. And in response, being a part of that 60s hippie, crazy stuff that we did, unfortunately, we lost the benefits of structuring and good mothering and good fathering. And we ended up with a, a baby boomer culture and Gen, Gen Xers who wanted our kids to be our besties, our best friends. I want my kids to be my best friends. Uh, uh, or we want our kids to be uh, just like us and to like us. We want our kids to be our friends. And, 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 and we kind of had a role reversal. And why? And we, we got it naturally. You know, I was spanked for things. I don't even remember what I was being spanked for. All I was told it was a better for me that that I got spanked and really, you know. But I still look in the mirror every day and see a couple of teeth that are been, you know, removed from my mouth by my father's punch and had fake teeth put in. And, and somehow in the middle of that, I'm, you know, I, I I'm now a father. And so... It was easy for our generation to say, I'm not doing that to my kids. Did anybody ever say that when you became a parent? I'm not doing it to you what my father did to me. And what happens was, is that we replaced, we, we eliminated the structure just because somebody in the structure operated tyrannically. we become dodgy helicopter and snowplow parents. That's the new designation. It's called snowplow, parents. Before it was helicopter where you hubbed over every decision that your kid made. But now it's snowplow. Pa- uh, young parents are uh, running out in front making sure nothing can hurt their kids. And they're just plowing everything that could possibly hurt their kids from, and get it out of the way. But, you know, psychologists are saying that this is now becoming a new form of child abuse. It's love that has been mutated by Fear. Protecting your child from everything, therefore, deciding not to train them in how to face adversity, disappointment, suffering, and failure, even though you know they will experience it in their lives, is a form of child abuse. But that's what we're doing. We're just trying to keep our kids from experiencing anything bad, any repercussions, anything bad in their lives. And we don't want them to hurt. and and, And even though we know that that's not what they'll experience 20 years from now, we are withholding the structure on how to deal with disappointment or no. We even have friggin' yes day in America. Yes day where your kid is promised on that day, no matter what they ask for, you tell them yes. What kind of wacko, (laughs) dumb, stupid thing have I ever heard in my life? But just look around what's happening. You're seeing structures crumble. And I'll say this, I'll give this generation credit. You wanna tear them down because of the abuse of them. And I'm just gonna ask you to slow down because some of us who are part of the abuse, I get it now. OK? I get it. I can stand back and it's like, "Oh, crap, you're right." But I also want to tell you, but don't throw it all away, because some of it uh, protects civil liberties. Some of it Protects identity. Some of it protects so many things about life. Don't throw it all away just because we messed it up. And I think that's the way the apostle uh, and the scriptures are talking to us. Without the encouragement and the instruction of a parent or a dad in their lives, I've heard it said this way it's as if, to a child, it's as if the spirit of civiliz- civilization has left you outside the walls. As a person of little or no worth, that's what a kid feels like when dad's not there or mom's not there. When there isn't instruction, when there isn't this this continuity and connectivity and and consistency to life. It's kind of the rolling forward of the shoulders and the downcast spirit and there's just like no sense of direction in life and feel like they've been left. Why do you think gaming swallows up so much of our children? Is it because gaming's evil? No. It's the only place they can find structure. There are rules in the game. You get a life if you get one of these. And if you got, if you find this over here, you can beat this dragon over here. And it's like, well, you think, oh, that's so stupid. What's wrong with the kids? Is they're looking for their heroes someplace else because they can't find them at home. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, this is so heavy. Maybe I'm, maybe this is a a bigger picture message than you just going home to your cul-de-sac. Um, but I do know this that this, these are the principles that I had to raise my kids on. These are the principles that, that keep my brain um, driving on the right and not on the left side of the road, unless you're English. We will always walk a line between being tyrannical and calling out the best of our children. So just know that. It can always be abused. You cannot create a system that's viable, that cannot be abused. We want to de-abuse everything. And I get it. I don't want any abuse anywhere. But I tell you what, when a parent has influence over a child, you know we're setting up the possibility for abuse. So how do you keep abuse from happening? By tearing down the structure of influence? No. By getting into the heart of that parent and help them understand the fine line of what they're supposed to be doing. Here it is. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Providing standards to bring out the God's best in our children. Providing standards to bring out God's best in our children. Here's another one. Teaching them to embrace responsibility over demanding their rights. We don't don't teach responsibility anymore. We just teach what your rights are and how to get more rights by challenging them to be more than they think they can be. Oh, some of you are like me. Wouldn't you have wished you just had somebody like that in your life? Or this one, encouraging them to do something difficult and heroic. I had an opportunity to have lunch with a bloke and his teenage son and friend. And in the middle of the conversation, Uh, One of the boys shared with me that he was thinking about going to the Air Force Academy. And, you know, that just sounded so wicked awesome, okay? And, uh, one, because that's something that my father wanted all of us boys to be. But, you know, my father didn't provide a pathway for us to be that. At least I couldn't find the place, I couldn't sweep the sand off at 13 years of age to find how you got to the Air Force Academy. But I began to listen to it. And I was amazed listening to these young boys talk about their visions for lives. Um, and as I heard them talk about it, and, and I got excited and started sharing it to this young man's life about why he wanted to go to the Air Force Academy instead of Clemson, and why this would be better, and, and, and you know, uh, just something about the leadership principles, and about the job viability when you walk out, and, and it's just, you know, but it was interesting that when I heard them speak about it, I knew where they got the idea from. They got the idea from their dads. They got the ideas from their dads. I mean, kids just don't find the Air Force or Naval Academy or, or, or um, West Point or whatever the other academies are, but they just don't find that. Dad planted this idea in it. And I realized that I don't have a lot of regrets in my life. My dad raised eight children, and I don't know, maybe I'll give him a break because of Jesus that, you know, how do you sell a vision to eight kids? I don't know. He managed to spank all of us. Um, But if I had had somebody when I was, instead of my dad worrying about whether or not I was going to be gay at 13 when I colored my hair, if he had maybe spoken something about me becoming a military officer, or being a submarine commander, which is, in a, another life, that's exactly what I would be as a submarine commander. Um, maybe my life would have turned out different. Uh, and, and you, It made me realize that all, it wasn't because I was stupid, it wasn't because I couldn't finish college, it wasn't because I was colorblind, it wasn't because of all those things that I've... It's like, you know what? Somebody just didn't speak a vision to me. And when you communicate, The vision, hey, son, what do you want to be? Daughter, what do you want to be? You know, and it's like, okay, let me help you see the structure that gets you there. You know, I know Latin. I remember my freshman year in high school. I know Latin is stupid, Paul. And I know uh, ancient civilization. And, and, you know, the Byzantine Empire is stupid. But if my pop had the ability, and again, to connect Latin to flying an F-16, I might have gotten there you say, well, some kids are just meant for greatness and some kids are just meant for McDonald's. Uh, uh, no, I don't think that's the case. Uh, and there's nothing wrong if McDonald's is the vision of your life and that's where you wanted to end up to manage McDonald's. That's cool. There's, there's, there's merit in that. Where there is disappointment is when you fall short of your potential. That's when the heartbreak happens. And and Paul and and the scriptures are trying to let us know that we have the ability to call them out to be heroic. Moms and dads, you have the power when used correctly. And remember this, we are only to use criticism to burn the chaff from the wheat, not to burn the crop. Oh, I tell you, if you remember anything other than scriptures today, that's the line to remember is that too many times it was defolization that went on in my household. The Agent Orange got brought out and all the the forestry got removed in one felt swoop. It didn't matter if it applied to Paul or Mary or Peter because their temperaments were different. It didn't matter. We just, all the foliage got just destroyed and burnt. Again, at the end of my father's life, he found Christ. We reconnected, forgave him, and loved him. But you know, we all just gotta, we all leave a legacy behind. Now we can all end up being saved in the middle of all this, but you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, what kind of parking spaces are you leaving behind? What am, I, what am I forcing my kids to pull into and to experience And How much is it of God? Likewise, don't avoid training just because it's hard. Um, I'm going to have to end here because I'm out of time. And that was a lot. So I'm just going to end there. This this idea of, is it hard to raise children? Yes, it is. Is it hard to control your mind and keep your mind in between the spaces? Hard, it is. Why? How do you know? It's like, well, because... More Americans are downloading pornography than watching Netflix and Instagram. What's wrong there? Yeah, parking spaces. Um, we don't have. We just don't have parking spaces anymore. And it's hard and it's difficult. And I've 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 dealt with addictions. I've done. I've dealt with pornography in my life. And and it's only when I found the framework of of godly masculinity. That I kind of knew where to park my car. When I heard verses like, Husbands, love your wives and give your life for her, as Christ died for the church. It's not about what your wife can do for you or what you're demanding from your spouse, but it's like, No, no, I didn't paint that parking space. So let me encourage you, wherever you are, this may, message may have only applied for your mind, and that's good having a disciplined mind, having structure in your mind. As Jordan Peterson saying, said, sometimes the best thing you can do is just clean up your room, start there. Have you ever felt that feeling when all of a sudden the garage is clean? You didn't build anything. You didn't, you just put everything in its place and you step back and you open up the garage doors and you're just like, I feel good about myself. Why? because this one area of my life got structure. See, some of us, God wants to bring divine structure to us. So as you come for communion, as you write your prayer requests and pin it to the cross for us to pray over this week, maybe structure is one of those things that you want. It's not really structure you're looking for, you're looking for continuity, certainty, coherency, and connectivity. And God wants you to have all those things. Just look at your body. Just look at the seasons. Just look at the worlds around you. Look at the classifications of the animal world. Look at it all. Everything's structured beautifully. God wants us to experience that structure while enjoying our freedoms. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for alerting us to to kind of calling out for us to dust off the scriptures, for us once again to rediscover the ancient ways, to rise raise up the ruins that have been torn down, to become the repairers of the breach, as Isaiah said. But it starts with us. Our students, our children, our spouses will not copy our religious philosophies. They will copy our lives. So today we bring our lives to Jesus. And I thank you God for the table of communion because in the broken body of Jesus in the poured out blood and in the power of resurrection, all things can become new. For the 30 year old single, for the 80 year old grandfather, whether mistakes, have been made, things have been forgotten, or things were not learned. Whether of regrets or shame, today you offer us a table, a parking space of grace, love, and truth. And today we come and receive.